Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome back to your first Monday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show here in 2023. As always, it's Ian Mendes, Julian McKenzie with you. And uh, we're going to start off the new year, Julian, by making this a three-person Round table. You know, we're stealing from the Wednesday show. You know, the Wednesday show, they got Granger, they got Russo, you know, Joe Smith slides in there. It's like a round table. Rob Pizzo. We're stealing from them. We're bringing our pal Mark Lazarus in to kick off. If you, if you really think about it, if you really think about it, I got my start on the, sh- on the athletic hockey show on the Wednesday show. So technically, we've been stealing from the Wednesday show. Just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sit here point. and be like the third wheel that nobody really wants. Uh, I'll be like uh, Dennis Miller in the booth in Monday Night Football, making references oh, to like man. random TV shows nobody gets, and uh, people will be just—it's like you know, next week when I'm not here, everyone will love the show that much more, and then it'll, it'll be good for you guys. I'll give you a bump. No, that's that not way. true. That's not true. <laughs> that being said, that being said, I have—I almost have no idea who Dennis Miller is. I, yeah. See, see so, this is this is this is what happens. But no, but this is perfect, lads, because Julian and I have this bit going where basically every podcast. I try and teach him something about, you know, the, the way sports used to be 25, 30 years ago. Your Dennis Miller reference is perfect because well, Julian would have no idea that Monday Night Football very briefly employed basically a comedian to be the third person in the booth. And it, it just went about as well as you'd think it would have gone. I love the idea of somebody not getting a Dennis Miller reference because Dennis Miller's whole shtick was making references that nobody got. So like... Time has become a flat circle, and the world is about to cave in on itself because someone didn't get a Dennis Miller reference about Dennis Miller. Is it comparable? Was Dennis Miller's time at all comparable to Ian? I don't know if you remember playing uh, 
or Mark playing the uh, NHL video games in the early 2000s when it would be Jim Hewson and then Don yep. Taylor. But Don Taylor was supposed I mean, he's not a comedian, but like he was trying to be like the funny yes. kind of color guy. Is it kind of similar to that? Yeah. And and that all came about because EA Sports was based in Vancouver. And mm-hmm. so right there, their guys thought, oh, Don Taylor, who's a sportscaster in Vancouver. He's fu- it's exactly it. That's exactly I have what no idea were. who you're talking about now. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I stopped playing the EA games and like the, the you know, I, I, I went to I was in college, 97, 01, and I just stopped playing video games for that time. So I missed like a whole window. Really? Like I'm like I'm like I'm the generation that grew up on like NHL 93, 94, like the classic era where you can make Gretzky's head bleed and all that stuff. So that's kind of my era of video game. And then I tried to get back into it in my early 20s because I was young and single and a disposable income. And so like I bought like a PS3 and holy crap, video games got too hard for me then. So I stopped playing them. Now I have kids. So we have a Nintendo Switch and I can go back and play all the Genesis and Nintendo games again and still be awesome and never have to move into the 21st century. It rules. (laughs) Dude, I have a Nintendo Switch and like I... I, I, there's a party that really wants an NHL game, but I know considering the graphics and the capacity, it's probably never <laughs> going to work. My NHL capacity for me, I've kind of listed off already with all the NHL covers I remember, but like between 2000, 2009, basically any any NHL game you could play on PC, like that was my golden era. There, there like, was, there was a game on the, uh, on the Wii in like the, I would say early 2010s, where you could convert yes. the Wii remote into like a little hockey stick. Yep. And yes. That game was fun as hell. And you know, now that I mentioned it, I still have the Wii. In this room, this is where my kids play their video games. I might try to find those hockey sticks tonight and try to play that. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember it was really fun. Man, Wii Bowling was the best, though. There was oh, yeah. nothing yes. like Wii Bowling. Oh, yeah. Wii Bowling, Wii Boxing, the, yes. the OG yeah. Wii Sports. That's yes. like, it doesn't my get any better kid, than that. That's the thing is my kids, they're, they're spoiled with graphics when it comes to games, but those Wii Sports games are still the most fun games you have. Absolutely. You know, it's, you know what's funny, Last, I don't know if you saw this, speaking of video games. Did you see the guy this weekend? The video he tracked down. The there's a home screen on the NHL '94 video game, at, like when you go to to pick your teams, and there's a collision between a Chicago player and it, it's it's Brian, the late Brian Marchment. Oh, that's right. And an Islanders player, Scott Lachance. And this guy was tasked: could he find the game? And the moment, <laughs> and he found it. Did you see this? I didn't, but what? that's awesome. I know exactly. To you I guys. know exactly the hit you're talking about. I mean, I, I must have loaded up that screen eighty thousand. I'm going to tweet it out, and you guys will be just blown away at this. Scott this guy, we should the athletic the should. Past. The athletic should hire this guy as a full time investigative reporter. The amount of work this guy put in. To he should find be the moment. He should be Sean McIndoe's assistant. Yes, I was about to say. Be, just let, either let Sean do it or let him work with Sean. <laughs> And, and Laz, you'll appreciate this. He ended up tracking down this huge Chicago Blackhawks fan who still had VHS tapes oh of God. games in the early 90s. That guy must and be scary. That's how, that's how he tracked You him. know that guy has a stack of newspapers in his garage that's like 50 feet to- tall. He's going to topple over on Seymour Skinner and trap him there for a week. It's right. <laughs> Back in my day, there we go. <laughs> Definitely a Julian, back in my day. Julian person. likes a good Seymour Skinner reference. That's where we can all connect. <laughs> Love Skinner. Yes. Am I the one that's out Skinner? of touch? No, no. The children must be wrong. Yes. Wrong. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> Look at us vibing like this. Okay, I got to ask you guys this. This was amazing <laughs> to me. On the weekend, this you want to talk about? You know, you, sometimes you hear the term blockbuster trade, and you're like, I don't know. What is a, this is a blockbuster trade 
And it happened in junior hockey, in the Western Hockey League. And, and the reason why I don't bring this up is I want to know, do you think the NHL would ever allow a deal like this? So basically in the WHL, Kamloops sent four players and 10, count them, 10 draft picks, including four first-rounders to Everett in exchange for Olin um, uh, Zellweger, terrific defenseman, played for Team Canada, and another forward, uh, Ryan Hoffer. Do you guys ever think the NHL would be okay with one team trading 10 draft picks? Like going full like Ricky Williams when, remember the that, that was the trade that I was immediately thought yeah. of. I saw that on Twitter. It was yeah. the Ricky Williams trade. I just looked it up, actually. It was in 1999. The Saints, it was for the number five overall pick. It wasn't even the yeah. number one pick. And it was for a running back, the most dime a dozen position in the NFL. And it yeah. was a first, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth rounders in that draft. Plus a first third in the next draft. So that's like the only equivalent, right? Like the Eric Lindros trade is not an equivalent of this because, you know, Peter Forsberg was involved and there was only a couple of first round picks and there was cash involved. Like the Ricky Williams trade is the only comparable to this that I've ever seen. And it's, 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 I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm going to play the dumb American here. Junior hockey just baffles the hell out of me. It is this weird, strange world where guys get traded for nothing or they get traded for everything. I don't understand it. How do you trade a 15-year-old? How is that legal? I don't understand anything Mark, that's happening up there, guys. Mark, Mark, I on, on one of the other podcasts that I do, I learned that Connor Bedard, who plays for the Regina Pats in the Western Hockey League, has a no-trade clause. I read that. Kids yes. in junior, they have no trade clauses. Yeah. I had no idea this was a thing. These are children. Like, what? They're, yes. they're literal children. <laughs> children. Yeah. Like you are they trading, have acne on like their face. These, these draft picks that are like six years in advance, those kids are like still in like the embryonic state. You are trading Bro. zygotes at this point. Bro, they're like seven, eight-year-olds you might still see like walking around. Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> could you imagine that? Like, could you imagine? It's one thing if like you're a grown NHL player and you get yep. traded for like a conditional pick in like 2025. At least you can say hey, I could probably watch their games. Uh, maybe they're going to play at the Memorial Cup or something. Could you imagine being a junior kid and you get traded for, like, the draft rights to some, like, some... You you could have, like, a sibling who's, like, the same age. And you might be like, this kid's a dweeb. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. You're well, trading well, for seventh graders. Explain it. Explain it. To, uh, I'll, I'll stand in as the dumb American here for our American listeners. Is a Memorial Cup appearance or potential championship worth so much that it's worth just sacrificing years in the future for it. Like, does that make that much of a difference to a junior team? It it does. I think it does. It, you know, you're, you're gonna, and you're going to see it now with Shane Wright in the same way. Mm -hmm. right? You're going to see London or someone's going to just back up the truck and just it 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 means a lot to them. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and you, if you watch junior, and I don't pay attention to junior hockey as much as you know. Obviously, we've got the Pronmans and the Wheelers, but they have these little like competitive cycles, right? And when you're in your cycle, you're like, we'll just we're going to go for it. And I, I think there's a jealousy factor as NHL fans. I'm like, man, I wish my, like, I wish the NHL sometimes had trades like this, right? Oh, it'd be fun. Just, it'd be, be asinine, amazing. but it would be fun. Yes. Imagine some team just trading 10 picks for somebody. Someone made the comparison that like, oh, like this trade is like an NBA trade. And I'm like, 
I mean, they're not completely wrong because we've seen boatloads of picks be dealt before. I'm looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder. But, like, yeah, like, I mean, we don't even have to look so far to, like, junior hockey to see stuff like this. Like, there are other professional leagues where this craziness occurs. It's just we live in a world where the salary cap is a thing and and um, maybe there's something in the CBA that says that you probably can't offload all those picks. But I don't know for sure. Uh, but, like. I don't know. I it's, mean, it's not like you're getting. It's not like you're trading a kid across town, like you're in like a little league or something, and there was some deal made because he wanted to go play with his brother or something like that. I mean, you're literally going <laughs> into another country in some of these cases. You're going to Seattle. Seattle's in the WHL, right? Portland's in yep. the WHL. I mean, you are sending children into another country. I don't know against their will. Do they have to approve it? Do the parents have to approve it? All of this is just baffling to me, and I need like a a step by step primer to explain this to me because it's just that's a good on feature the surface, story it's idea. Insane. Like, what does it mean to be off? Like, like because because all of those kids have billet families that they live with, right? Like, when you get traded, does the who's on who's like does is the team in charge of finding you another billet family? Like, how does that work? Like, I'd love to know all these yeah, other. You, you can't just details. throw the kids up at the residence in because it's got a kitchen. It doesn't work like it does in the NHL. No, like not everyone could be Yuri Slavkovsky and just operate a stove. Like some people need like their <laughs> like a billet family to help them cook. I don't know because they're literal children. Children. Oh, now I'm just, I'm just picturing Shane Wright at like a Marriott making the uh, the waffles, like waiting for it to turn. <laughs> yeah, right at the, right at the, the minute they have, you got to flip it at the right time. Yeah, ninety How seconds. How many of those kids even have like Marriott Bonvoy accounts where they could just know <laughs> to get points from staying at hotels? <laughs> I think the Billet family no. gets those. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, okay. would, I would hope that they would. <laughs> okay, taking this to the NHL level. One more thing I'm going to ask you guys, okay? Let's yeah. say you could trade 10 draft picks, four of them are first-rounders. If today I told you you could do that and you could land either Connor McDavid or Connor Bedard, which one are you doing? Is it is a slam dunk? Is it McDavid? And, and would you do it? Would you give up four first-round picks, it's, 10 it's draft Mc, picks? It's McDavid, and I would make that trade in a heartbeat. In a like heartbeat. every team, every team would do it. Right? Every single uh, that's that's basically an offer sheet, right? If you made an offer yeah. sheet to Connor McDavid, you'd lose four first round draft picks in a heartbeat. Because you're, you're if you have McDavid, you might not be great as the Oilers have found out. But you're going to be pretty good. You're not talking top five picks here. You're talking middle of the first round picks for four years for Connor freaking McDavid. The amount of money you make off of him, yeah. The jerseys you sell and just the so, chance he gives you in a heartbeat. So what's the what's the cutoff where you'd be like? You know what? I wouldn't trade that for McDavid. Is it five first round picks? Is it like what? Like what? There, there has to be some point where you're like, okay, I wouldn't do that. What would that Connor, point be for you guys? If Connor McDavid was at like 35 years old, because here's another thing about that trade too. Connor McDavid is 25 years old right now. Yeah. He is like, it's kind of funny to think like, you know, how great he's been and how he's on pace for like career numbers. Like, could you say that he's entering his prime? We normally think of a prime player's years as like 28 to 32. He may not even be in his prime right now. So like you're closer to winning if you have a Connor McDavid on your team compared to a Connor Bedard who would still have to adjust to being in the league. But also it could be a sound investment. Who knows? But like, yeah, I'm, I'm with Mark. Like Connor McDavid, you coming up to me being like, hey, four first round picks. I'm doing that trade. Like, I mean, I'm, I go, go back to player too. Yeah, go back to any team's last four first-round draft picks, and I bet every single one of them does not add up to Connor McDavid. Every single team. Nope. Nope. Okay, so, okay. Nope. Let, let, okay, if you're Ottawa, then, let, 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 help me out here. Would you okay. trade Would you trade Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzler, 
Jake Sanderson for Connor McDavid. Yes. 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 Hundred hmm. percent. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. You're talking. I don't even think Edmonton cl- wins with those players I'm anyway. Too close I'm, to it. I'm so <laughs> confident that making that trade, I don't even think Edmonton. If like if you offload all those guys to Edmonton. I feel confident enough in that trade. Edmonton does even win with the guys I send back. Wayne Gretzky got traded for Jimmy Carson. Anybody can be traded. He's a 50-goal guy. (laughs) The question is, what would the Oilers have to get in order to make that trade? What would it take to pry Connor McDavid away from the Oilers? That's the more interesting question, I think. Yeah, WHL style. Like, if they, like, oh, man. Like what? I don't know. What, what would you have to offer Edmonton for them to say, you know what? Yeah, we'll trade you. We'll trade Connor McDavid at age twenty-five. What would it take? It would take ten first-round picks, and maybe not even then, because no GM's gonna be there for all ten round ten first-round picks. Because every GM has a shelf life. You need like a player at every position. Like like you need like you need some kind of a whole like, team. Maybe not foundation. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much a whole team. You need foundational players. Like, you, like you can't just be like, I need three forwards for Connor McDavid. Like, I would want like a really good forward, a really good defenseman, a really good goalie. Like, I need to build a franchise because Connor McDavid is a franchise. See, we're, we're past the point where you used to be able to throw money at this problem. Like the Lindros trade right. included fifteen million dollars to the Nordiques. Like, that's not a thing that happens anymore because every single team has a very wealthy owner now. Money isn't really an issue anymore in the NHL. So you can't just say, you know, can't be like uh, MLSE saying, oh, we'll throw in $50 million to Edmonton because Edmonton doesn't need $50 million. Right. That's just not how it works anymore. So I don't mm-hmm. see how, a, I, I can't see any trade I wouldn't make to get Connor McDavid and I can't see any trade I would make to give up Connor McDavid. Yeah. So Connor yeah, McDavid exactly. just an oiler for the rest of his life. That poor bastard. Oh, oh wait, this Damn. is the Canadian version of the show. I didn't say that. But that being said, though, <laughs> that being said, like the the supposed tradition in Edmonton Oilers history is that like I love Edmonton. I, I it's just a franchise that's just treading water for so long now. That for sure, know, I I think Edmonton's one of the more underrated cities in the league, and I tweet that all the time. Everyone always laughs at me. I like Edmonton; it's a cool place. But that franchise, man, it, it, it just there's just it feels so little. Like last year, they go to the conference final. Oh, there's finally we're going to take that next step. They might miss the playoffs this year. I think that's insane. With Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I think it's insane. And I, I just feel I'm one of those people that if you have a window and you have outstanding players who are part of that window, you should be doing everything you can to maximize that window. Like like you saw it in Chicago in the peak years of the of the Hawks with Taze and Kane. Like that there's that whole span of the 2010s yep. where those guys were going for it. And they could go to the playoffs every year. And they did everything they could to build teams that could do it. If you are Ken Holland and you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the like the like, it doesn't get any better than those two right now. You should be doing everything you can to ensure that those guys get to the playoffs every year, have a competitive team, and have a fighting chance at making the Stanley Cup final every year. That's that's how I feel. They got to the conference final last year. They did, and got swept. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As we hit the halfway point of the season here. Yes. As we as we look at the Western Conference playoff picture, uh, are you guys, are you both believers in Seattle and LA? Like, do you look at them and say, yeah, you know what? At the halfway point, I see it. They're making the playoffs. Because if they do, then in all likelihood, one of either Minnesota, Edmonton, Calgary, or I hate to say it, the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, one of those teams is not going to make it. Do you guys, are you guys believers in the Kraken and LA making the playoffs? I, I'm not a believer I'm, in any team that has Martin Jones as its number one goalie. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not buying the Martin Jones renaissance. The, 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 the Kraken have, what, like an 888 save percentage as a team? I, I like the Kraken. They're a good team. They were built well. They have no goaltending. And I just don't see how you can make it through the entire season with an 890 save percentage and still make the playoffs, even in, even in the high-scoring 2023 NHL. Haven't the Kings gone through like three or four goaltenders themselves? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm also low-key looking at them to fall, too. Like, I, I have a hard time believing we could live in a world where, and I know people in Calgary are talking about it, where instead of a Battle of Alberta playoff series, it's based, the Battle of Alberta is Calgary and Edmonton hopping over each other, hoping for a wildcard playoff spot. Like, that's what we're in That'd for be the next, really like, fun. three months. It'd I be guess, really fun. Like, like, it'd be a three-month-long Battle of Alberta would be kind of amazing. That is kind of fun, you know? And hey, what if we lived in a world where a play-in game would happen, where both hey. these two teams would be tied at the yep. end, and then they'd be playing in for that? But no, nah, I don't think people want that. The 80, <laughs> It's 82 games in a regular season anyway. Nobody wants a play-in game to add to, add, add to the extra regular season. So you know what? I should, and nobody wants I salary even bring cap info, and nobody minds the digital boards. Everybody knows that. Everyone knows that. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the National Hockey League, and I'm a dummy for even bringing that up. I'm still very bitter about that and how people responded to that. Oh, yeah. No, but you know what? Like I, I'll tell you, I, I just watched Seattle with my own eyes Saturday night. Martin Jones gives up four goals, and they win. And what's incredible, all eight of Seattle's goals, even strength. Not a, power, not a single power play goal. Eight even oh strength goals God. against Ottawa. It's a good on 24 team. on 24 shots. One out of every three shots they took went in the net. And I gotta tell you, they they on this trip, they rolled Edmonton. They rolled Toronto. Those are two decent teams. You know, beating Ottawa, whatever. But all of a sudden, I'm looking at Seattle at the halfway point. I, I think they're legit. Do they need to add a goalie at the legit. deadline then? We don't see a lot of goalies get traded at the deadline. It's a big. We always talk about it every year, and then goalies don't get traded because it takes a longer time for a goalie to adapt to a different system in front of him than it does, you know, a skater. It's, it's, it's proven fact that it's difficult to make that move at the deadline. But if the Kraken go out and get themselves a goalie, we can start talking. And that, that's a move they have to consider. I, I don't see how you can look at what they have right now and think it's good enough if you're, I know they're not really in a win now mode, but they have a chance and they're building some positive momentum in that market. They should be trying to do something this year and getting a goalie would make a big difference. Do you think the Kraken would go at Jake Allen? I'm only thinking about it because of what I'm used to seeing with the Montreal Canadiens and the situation they're in right now. I know he's at an eight nine two, 
I think he can play better than an 8-9-2 in front of a better team. Alex Stalock's at like a 9-20, and everyone must go in Chicago. Stalock's a veteran. Yep. He's, he's fun as hell to watch. I've really enjoyed watching him. He's taken over as the number one in Chicago. He could be probably had for a song. Why not You know, throw, throw a pick at him? Is Chicago at the point, though? And I know they just beat Calgary. Was it Sunday or what? What, what day did they just? Beat they beat Calgary? them on Sunday, Sunday, four three in overtime. Max Sunday Tony scored the overtime winner. Oh, it sounds like the Flames beat reporter is uh, on top of that. But <laughs> uh, is, is Chicago at the point, Laz, where look they they were very transparent. We all knew what they were doing, and now that we've gotten to this stage of the halfway point, it's like a three or four team turtle derby here. Columbus is there, Arizona is there. Are we going to see Chicago do some things to really make sure they maximize their odds for Bedard? Honestly, I have a hard time seeing anyone finish behind Chicago in the standings. Remember, they had a pretty good start to the season. In October, they were like a 500 team. So since then, until this little two-game win streak they've had, they had won two games in, in, in two months. Since like November 12th, they had won two games. Like this team is epically bad since about mid-November when like the bottom fell out again. I don't think it's really a huge concern of them, especially they got 21 games on the schedule after the trade deadline when they're probably not going to have Kane, Taves, Domi maybe, Athanasiu, maybe one of their goalies. I mean, the 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 I think uh, it's John McIndoe called them the charred husk of the Blackhawks. If that's what they are now, they're just going to be dust, just literal dust on the ground in March for those last 21 games, most of which are on the road. Like, th- I just, you know, Arizona's, Way ahead of the Blackhawks, even even with Chicago having beaten them on Friday, Arizona is like like a four something ten points percentage. The Hawks are at like a two sixty two seventy. The Hawks are epically bad and only getting worse. I don't think it's really a race to the bottom. I think it's a race to see who finishes second to last because Anaheim and Columbus they're 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 frankly not in the Blackhawks league. Man, I just think of some of these teams like like a Philadelphia or like a Montreal who are a little bit like further up on them. And it's like, y'all really should have started the tanking like months ago. <laughs> like if you're in a position now where you're starting to free fall, it's kind of like late. if I was a fan of, yeah, if I was a fan of either of those teams, like I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? You should have been tanking from day one, especially looking at how, not to bring it back to junior players, but how Connor Bedard played at the World Juniors. Like y'all should have been tanking from day one. One and frankly, if you're in a position now where it's where we're recording this on January 9th, and if you you have not started your tanking endeavors, like forget it, like just 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 middle around. There's there's almost no chance you're going to be in that last place spot. And I get we're in a draft lottery era where there's a chance you could win it and you could still get Connor Bedard, but like, dog, well, you got, like you, you're you have to finish in that bottom in that last spot to guarantee yes. the top three pick. That's what matters yes. most here because if you don't get Bedard, you can get Fantilli. You don't get Fantilli, you can get Leo Carlson. You can take a flyer on Mitchkov. You have to finish dead last to assure yourself of that. Because we've seen time and again, you know, like it was the red, teams like the Red Wings or the, the Coyotes, you know, be really bad, but not be quite bad enough and wind up picking fourth, fifth, sixth. That's not the same as picking first or second this year. That being said, and, and, we, and I know it's a year-by-year thing, and, and this year is looking like a very deep draft. This is just a reminder to everyone who listens and is all like, oh, no, my team didn't finish first. Drafting fourth overall ain't that bad. The Detroit Red Wings can tell you all about that with getting a guy like, oh, I don't know, Moritz Sider. Yeah. Colorado Avalanche can tell you all about that with eh, Kale McCarr. Drafting fourth overall, it's a very specific number, not that bad. But just, just, just put yourself in position. You know what? I think I just found the trade for McDavid. 
Oh my god. <laughs> McKinnon and McCarr for McDavid, who says no? Oh. I think I found it. Who says no? Oh, I'm not, I, I'm still not sure Edmonton makes that trade. I, maybe they should, but I'm not sure if they do. Uh, exactly. Kale like, McCarr is like a singular player in that, like, he's doing it from a position you don't usually see this from. But McDavid is still con- – McDavid is going to go down as Mount Rushmore. He's bumping Howe or Orr off, off that list. He's that good. I don't know how you could – wow, that's a yeah, – See? I don't know. It, it, it just, it's just about that's finding that one – yeah, exactly. Here's the thing. Um, like, 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 McD- like McKinnon and McCarr are like top five players. So you're yeah. trading, t- like, it's just trade involving top five players and having two top five players more than one top. I mean, if you're Edmonton, you probably make the move because at the end of the day, you could be like, oh, now we have Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, and Leon Dreisidel. You probably make that trade. I don't know. Connor McDavid is literally the greatest hockey player that's ever lived. Like, there's never I mean, yes, been but a like, better hockey but like, player than him. But Drysdale, McCarr, and McKinnon. Like, you have three <laughs> really good players. And then, like, oh. Colorado just like, all right, congrats. You have Connor McDavid. Good luck. And, and a pretty good roster beyond that. But, like, I think about it's that tough. trade a lot. It's tough. That's tough. Would, Ava, would, would, would the Avs do that deal? I don't know so if they, sure would. they would. I'm not so sure they would. I don't think like, they do. Like, like the Caleb McCarr's a friend. Like, we talk about like Connor McDavid being the greatest player who ever lived, possibly. Kale McCarr is the closest thing the NHL has to like having like an NBA point guard with insane handles dominate yep. the league with his transition play, the head fakes he'll give at the line when he's coming up on an oncoming defender, like the handles on when he's in the offensive zone. Like he's Kale McCarr is he he is a game changing player. And you get yep. him with Nathan McKinnon, who is the equivalent of a bull in 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 I don't know if you're, a China shop. Like, are we allowed to? Yeah, like that. That's the yeah, whole yeah. thing. It's China, China, yeah. the dishware. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but like, but like, that's that's what it is. Like, like, like I tweeted over the weekend. Like, what's scarier than Nathan McKinnon coming at you at full speed? And I get that Connor McDavid is just as scary, but like Nathan yeah. McKinnon is like a bigger, rugged dude. Like, I'd be a little bit more like. Connor McDavid, I'd be afraid just off the sheer skill. Nathan McKinnon would literally run me over if I was a defenseman, if he could. Like, I'm not I'm not running up on that. Like, and, and then he shoves some vegetables down your throat. Yeah, seriously. I don't want to have to, like, go back to the locker room and it's all like, you haven't been eating your chickpea soup. I see guy, it in your practice eats, habits. Uh, he gets one time he eats uh, whatever that was, chickpea pasta, and he's just been branded. <laughs> the rest of his rest of his life. My favorite part of that segment though is Julian being unsure if he could say bull in a china shop. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, He's like, oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't hear people say that no more. I don't know. Oh, I can see the comment section now. You look so woke. They can't even say china shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You let Lazarus <laughs> on one time and this is what happens. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We were talking about teams that were potentially in the mix with Chicago and Philadelphia is certainly one of them. They're in a little bit of a free fall here. And I want to play a little audio uh, from John Tortorella here because uh, I think there's there's a couple of interesting things with the Flyers this week. and, you know, have a listen. Here's John Totorella being asked about uh, Travis Konechny's having a great season, better than a point per game, but he wasn't the player selected to the All-Star game for Philly. It was Kevin Hayes. Have a listen. Here's John Totorella talking about the All-Star game. John, TK has been arguably your most consistent player all year long. Are you disappointed that he didn't uh, make the All-Star team tonight? They announced oh, the team. I don't even worry about that shit. The, 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 the way they all, the whole game, the whole weekend, it, it, I don't even watch it. I, I think it's it's turned into a, well, I'll just leave it at that. I really don't care. Do you okay. think that he's deserving? Uh, I really don't care. Talk about all-star stuff, okay? Look, Tortorella is probably saying something that, you know, he's saying the quiet part out loud. We all kind of feel this way about the all-star game. But here's the thing. Uh, Kevin Hayes, who was Philadelphia's uh, selection of the all-star game, talked about how much this really meant a ton to him because of the family tragedy he's been through. This is... This is great for him. How do we feel about John Tortorella, who, by the way, he also made Kevin Hayes a healthy scratch uh, a few weeks ago. Now here's Kevin Hayes, a great moment for him, and John Tortorella's like, ah, I don't care about the All-Star game. It's stupid anyway. It's kind of insensitive, just, isn't it? Like, I, I don't know. Like, be happy or, for your player? Like, I don't know. Like, that that's how I, I, I would think that's, I would rub me the wrong way, especially if I'm Kevin Hayes and I've gone through what I've gone through. And I guess, that, you know what, fine, maybe John, it could be a situation where, you know what, John just tells him something privately and he says, like, hey, don't even worry about what I'm saying in the media. But I still think that's a bit weird, too. I get it. Like, look, the All-Star game is going to come up. We are all going to find things to complain about with the All-Star game. I also understand that Travis Konechny probably may be a better selection, but also Kevin Hayes at one point, or at least last I checked, he was the team's leading scorer. But like Travis Konechny also just as deserving. But like, I don't know. I think if you got a little bit more support from from your head coach on this, like in Calgary, like even Daryl Sutter was all like, "Hey, I'm happy for Nelson Kadri making it." Daryl Sutter could be a bit of a curmudgeon sometimes. So like, I, I don't know why John Tortorella has to play this tough guy act. Like, I think it's just it's a bit ridiculous, but also not surprised because we expected Philadelphia to be a tire fire this year. Look, the Tortorella shtick wore off years. I'm so done with this guy. I've been done with this guy for years. I can't believe he still keeps getting jobs. He's not even that good of a coach. He's a guy who coaches you to try to get a loser's point every night. It's just, he's everything I don't like about the league. He's just, I've written about it enough. Don Tortorella, whatever. What I have a problem with is he went pretty far to saying that the All-Star game is is, is just a crock and nobody cares about it and it's awful. And I don't think that's true. Look, the, the Winter Classic was last week. It was in Boston. Yeah. I couldn't have cared less. I don't really care. 
I it, it didn't involve teams. I, I've seen Boston Pittsburgh eighty five thousand times. We've even seen Fenway Park before. I didn't care, but everyone who was there freaking loved it. And that event, the Winter Classic, these outdoor games, they're for the people at the event. All Star Weekend is the same way. I covered I've covered a bunch of All Star games, and I realized fully nobody cares about the All Star game. John Tortorella is not wrong there, but when you're there, it's fun as hell. All Star Weekend's a blast. And it's for the fans in South Florida who, let's face it, are routinely shat upon by everybody in the NHL. There are hockey fans down there. It's going to be a fun weekend for them. The, the players are going to do some goofy stuff. We're going to get some fun stories out of it. You know, you get the players to loosen up a little bit, and, you, and we'll all have great stories to write down the road. The games are fun enough. The three-on-three -three tournament's a fun time. All-Star Weekend is not for the national audience either, just like the Winter Classic isn't. It's for the people at the event. And for Tortorella to be like, I don't care about any of this. Just shut the hell up. I'm just tired of this guy. And he's just this miserable curmudgeon who hates everyone and hates everything. He doesn't like young players. He doesn't like exciting hockey. I'm just done with this guy. How does he keep getting work in the NHL? Because and, uh, teams love what they know, right? That's why there's that cycle of You want a Stanley Cup 117 years ago. Let's move on. There are other coaching mm. candidates out there. There are better coaching candidates out there. You know, but I mean, towards, 2004 is uh, not that far back. It's pretty far. It is. How, Julian, how old were you in 2004? <laughs> uh, I was like 10, 10? years old. <laughs> you, were getting, you were getting traded by a WHL team back then, I think. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, hey, yes Torts, I was. Torts also in a Sunday loss to Toronto basically stapled Tony D'Angelo to the bench for the entire back half of the game. D'Angelo only played about seven minutes, never saw the ice in the third period. Um, basically he turned, he coughed the puck over early in the game, led directly to a goal. Uh, D'Angelo after the game telling reporters, um, called his performance unacceptable and said, uh, basically no player agrees with getting sat, but I'm not here to question the coach. Um, Tortorella said, I'm not going to discuss it here. You know, I'm not going to discuss it with you guys uh, talking about benching Tony D'Angelo, but it feels like the, the, the situation we always thought the situation in Philly had the potential to be explosive, right? You add Tortorella to a group that we didn't really know what the Flyers are. But if you're if you're cheering for Bedard as a Flyers fan, this this is what you want, isn't it? You want some turmoil and dissension. You want this thing to you want this thing to implode, don't you? I mean, yeah, but also do we want Connor Bedard? Just 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 not <laughs> even as Flyers fans. Let's just speak generally as people who follow the National Hockey League. Do we really want Connor Bedard in Philadelphia with John Tortorella as his head coach? Oh I'm not good. I'm not here. I get Mark said what he said about John Tortorella. John Tortorella, I'm willing to respect the fact that he has a Stanley Cup and he's able to squeeze a little bit more out of certain teams. I do not want Connor Bedard under a John Tortorella led <laughs> team. I don't want it. I really don't want it. I don't want Connor Bedard to try to be Connor Bedard and then for John Tortorella to stifle. The creativity that he could have. Like, like let, let, let San Jose have him. Even Vancouver. Vancouver's a dumpster fire right now. Even he'd be better off with the Canucks. Whatever the hell they're going to be. Please, please, for the love of God, if Philadelphia gets the first overall pick. Oh, my God. Uh, that, that and really John is a, still there. No, no. That's really a great no. point. I hadn't even thought about that possibly. Just imagine just sucking this, the, the life out of a player like that. That's an awful idea. I, I will oh, say no. this. Just... Just you know, I just I just r r ranted about Tortorella. I'll say this about him: he's one of the few coaches left who still wields playing time 
like a weapon, which more coaches should do. I got no problem with him benching a guy who's underperforming. That's what coaches have done since time immemorial. When a guy's not giving you what you need, all you have over him, you can't dock him pay. You can't, all you can do is make him not play, is take playing time from him. I mean, you know, Joel Quenville used to sit Patrick Kane if he didn't, you know, if if he half-assed a shift every now when he was a young player. That's a thing that more coaches, frankly, should do, is staple a guy to the bench every now and then to send a message. Like, that's all you really have. That's the only, you know, cudgel you really have as a coach. You know, more coaches should do that. I got no problem with them benching Tony D'Angelo. It's got nothing to do with the fact that it's Tony D'Angelo. I'm surprised we don't see that more often in the NHL, frankly, because that's a way to send a message, isn't it? I mean, you kind of embarrass a guy. Like, it's a way of, it's, it's a way of publicly embarrassing a guy without calling him out in a press conference, right? Is you just say, I'm just not going to play you for a few shifts here. And I'm surprised we don't see that more often. I, I wonder if it has to do with just how players are changing and how they respond to certain things, yeah, right? Like, yeah. And and also, like, you can't necessarily do that to every single player. There, are, Like, I, I've seen Daryl Sutter bench an entire, like, line for about half a game. But, like, it had a, it was a line with, like, Milan Lucic and, like, uh, Michael Backlund, for example. And I, I'm trying to remember who the other player was. But, like, you could probably get away with doing something like that because those guys are more role players. And, and even a guy like Tony D'Angelo, who, look, he has the offensive – abilities that he has and maybe some more offensive stuff we don't need to get into but like that's not he's not the a big like high impact player like, could you imagine if like jay woodcroft like benched Connor mcdavid for whatever reason or leon drysaddle for whatever reason i think there are only so, so many players you could do that to i don't even think it's something that's applicable to every coach and also depending on who that player is you're gonna have to deal with that headache, especially depending on the market that you're in you're gonna have to deal with that headache uh, we're fine. You have that thing to weaponize. You're going to have to deal with everyone else being like, well, why did you bench him? Well, other players, teammates, the media, fans. Yeah. Like, it is something you could weaponize, maybe, but it really depends on the player that you, gotta, you do. You gotta, you so that's pick probably why you don't do it that much. You got to pick exactly. your spots. It can't be an everyday thing. That's going to... No. That, that, that act will wear thin real quick, but I, I have no problem with a coach doing that from time to time, and I don't think, you know... I mean, if the media freaks out about it, that's what the media does. I don't know what to say about that, but you know, you you got to you got to manage your own house. And if if, if Edmonton's going to lose their minds because Connor McDavid sat for half a period, then let them lose their minds. It'll be fun for the rest of us. You know, as we talk about message sending, yeah, John Tortorella sent a message, I'm sure, to uh, Tony D'Angelo on the weekend. David Pasternak continues to send a message to the entire hockey world and maybe to the Bruins ownership and front office about his. Uh, his next contract. Your, I, I'm just going to stop you right here. Your segue, every single time I'm on this show, Ian, your segue, <laughs> I don't know how you do it. You're a goddamn master. Oh, well, listen, it's years of radio. Years of radio. Have, uh, you can steer it through literally any topic. Alive, man. Any topic to any topic, moment. you can find that pathway. It's amazing. Exactly. Well, I was hoping to go right after talking about uh, uh, Nate McKinnon. I had it in my mind. We we're talking about the chickpea pasta, and I was going to move to Pasternak. I <laughs> this was perfect, but we, we moved on. But look, David Pasternak on this road trip to California gets seven goals against uh, L.A. San Jose and then wraps it up with a hat trick against Anaheim. Guys, he's on pace for a 60-goal season in essentially his his walk year. And and I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking – I looked it up. I was like, what, what did Artemi Panarin do in his last season in Columbus? And Panarin had 87 points, which was really good, but he, he, was, he was like 18th in league scoring. It wasn't like he was – blowing the doors off but he's you know obviously got that massive deal with with the rangers 
when you see Pasternak on pace for 60 goals, the Bruins on pace to potentially win a President's Trophy make some noise, are you guys looking at David Pasternak and saying that next contract, like, is it $12 million a year? Is that what we're talking about with Pasternak here moving forward? It has to be, right? I mean, it, it, I love Artemi Panarin. He's great. But if he's making 11.6, how can Pasternak not be worth more than that? This this isn't like a, like a fluke season. Remember the, the year the pandemic hit, I think he had 48 goals through 70 games. I mean, he was on pace for mid-50s in yep. goals. This is like a proven scorer. And there's no more valuable commodity in the NHL than being able to score goals. So I don't see how you don't. He's having an Aaron Judge year, right? Aaron Judge, in his walk year, hit 62 home runs. That's what David Pasternak's doing here, basically. And he's going to get paid accordingly. He should. I don't know how Boston lets this guy test the market to get his 12 or 13 million elsewhere. If you're the Boston Bruins and you see how everything is going for you this year, like you're on pace for, I mean, not just a president's trophy win, but like among one of the best regular season teams of all time, considering how things are going. And David Pasternak is a big reason for that. He could find a way to extend whatever window that we thought might've been closing ahead of this year for another few years. If you're Boston, whatever, I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't. I say this not knowing completely what the salary cap structure is. That is a guy, considering how well he's playing, you give him the checkbook and you like write whatever you want. I don't think you, like you can't let him go. There's this thing in Boston where you're like everyone takes less yeah. money, right? I mean, we saw it from all these guys where they always take less money to be in Boston, which is hilarious because Massachusetts taxes are like as high as anywhere in the United States. We always talk about the advantages Florida has, yet in Texas, but yet Boston keeps doing this. If I'm David Pasternak, screw that. Go get your money, kid. I mean, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. The NHLPA wants you to get as much money as you can. Every player in the NHL wants you to get as much money as you can because it raises the bar for everybody else. This whole, like, oh, Boston doesn't do that? No. Bullshit. I don't care what happened before. You go get your money. You deserve it. You earned it. Get paid. Yeah, I wonder, you do, you think, paid. do you think this will nudge... Like, it's pretty rare. Usually when you're a player of Pasternak's stature, you're already locked up, right? Like, going into that last year, the team has said, here's the money, whatever. And a lot of players opt for that security, right? They, okay, like, I wonder if maybe, like, does Pasternak make the guys think about, just play out that last year. Like, play it out. You're going to, you could, if, if you're that good, you could potentially, I'm not saying for everybody, but if you're in that upper, that kind of the, the one percenter, why wouldn't you play it out? Well, that's what we do in the NBA, right? Everybody takes like a yeah. two-year deal with a one-year opt-out, and they make more and more money every year as the cap goes up. I mean, it's just not the way it's done. Like, you look at baseball, and everyone's locking everyone up for 12, 13 years now. It's like it's like the late 2000s in, 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 in hockey. Uh, but it, it just – it's never been the way in hockey. You know, you've always – you want these guys to bet on themselves, to give themselves the flexibility where they don't get locked into Edmonton for eight years necessarily. Where they don't get locked into a team, but these guys just think – Long contract, lots of money, security. I don't have to move. This is all good. It's going to take someone of Pasternak's touch. Austin Matthews could have been the guy to change things, and he didn't. He took a, what, a five- or six-year deal? Five. Five-year deal. Yeah. That, 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 that's the, everyone's like, oh, a short-term deal. That's five years is his entire prime. Five years is a long time. Until one of these superstars takes a one- or a two-year deal, where you're never going to see that culture change in the NHL where the players start controlling their own fate a little bit more. They're worried about injuries, which is a completely understandable concern, but it's just not the way things are done. And until a player does that, we're not going to see anyone, you know, a, a sea change in that. You know, Marion Hosa kind of did that though, right? Like he goes from Atlanta to Pittsburgh at the deadline 
Then he signs the one-year deal, right, with Detroit. He's like, you know what, I'm going to... And that was in his prime. He could have uh, gone out that year and, and maximized. He went to Detroit. Tried, then he went to Chicago, got the, the long-term deal. But that's the only... I know Korea and Solani did it way back in the day, kind of in their prime to go to... They kind of play together in... Uh, right? Or, I'm no, sorry, was it... Uh, Solani went to Colorado, right, on a one-year deal? Yeah, you did uh, for like a bit. Yeah, and... Like, so we've seen it a little bit where guys will maybe go and do it, but it's... Uh, it's going to take like, like one how, of these like 12 or $13 million guys to do it at age 25, 26 years old before anyone else even considers it. Like someone's going to have to take the big step. We all thought Matthews could have been that guy, and he wasn't the guy. Well, Matthew, I mean, here's the thing. Well, first off with Marion Hosa, how old was he when he made all those the jumps from Atlanta to Pittsburgh to Detroit? Like he was still in his thirties, right? Like he was no, still he his was, prime, I, but like I think he was like in his late twenties still. Oh, yeah. really? Okay, so yeah. then that still applies for that situation because, like, yeah, okay, fine. So, like, yeah, I, I really feel like the NHL, their players are really due for this player empowerment era that, like, the NBA is sort of in. Well, I mean, not sort of. They're very much in that right now. Maybe we're closer to the end of that with how certain things have transpired, but like. I look at the LeBron decision as like the beginning of like a true power thing where like players realize, hey, you know what? I don't need to get locked into this massive deal. I'm going to put my own fate into my own hands. And David Posternock is like maybe not the perfect player, but like he could go on that route. And I still think with Austin Matthews and yeah, maybe five years is a long time. But once we get to uh, July, people are going to start wondering what that next contract is like. And he's still playing some pretty high level hockey. Austin Matthews, not to scare Toronto fans at all, if he really <laughs> wanted to do that, like he could easily be that guy to usher in that era where he's like, you know what? Nah, I don't want to, I don't have to lock myself to eight, nine years more of being a Toronto Maple Leaf. Like I could put myself out there and be like, all right, give me my 15 million New York Rangers, Los Angeles Kings, Arizona Titans. <laughs> Dude. What? No, but you get what I mean. Like, I, I think I still yep. think Austin Matthews could be that guy if he really wants to. I don't know if that's what he really wants. And I still would be very surprised if he left the Toronto Maple Leafs. But like summer 2024, like let's if he doesn't sign anything by then, like I would love to see how that plays out. By the way, Julian was right on this. The two guys who covered Marion Hosa in Mark Lazarus and Ian Mendes did not know the age of Marion Hosa. Uh, Haas was 30 when he signed in Detroit. Really? 30, 31 in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Man, so, you you're what right, I'm saying. Saying. You're right. That's what you're I'm right. saying. The Blackhawks signed he's a 31-year-old to a 12-year contract. What, <laughs> exactly. what a time it was to be alive. <laughs> but as I was exactly. saying, like, the, like, playing at 30 is very different to playing at 26, which is yeah. what David Pasternak is right now. And, like, he's closer to entering his prime than exiting it like Marion Hosa was. Like, it's a very, very different thing. Tage Thompson destroyed the curve here. He destroyed the curve. Oh, yeah. That's 7.1 right before he blew up, man. Everyone's going to be like, oh, well, Tage Thompson's only making 7.1 million. Some GM's going to pull that one out and try to point to that. It's like the, it's but, like the but, McKinnon, yeah. McKinnon contract. But you know what, though? On Tage, like, you can understand from his vantage point, he had yeah. kind of been yeah. you know, struggling to break through. Yeah. Has his, whatever, 38-goal year, and he's yeah. like, all right, I'm going to cash in. Now, in hindsight... Yeah, absolutely. He, if he has the season that he's having now, he might get into that nine and a half, ten million dollar range, right? Like you're, you're starting to look at him and say that's two seasons now where he's done it. But I, I don't blame him there. I, 
hey, someone's oh, offering you him. that no, security. No, no. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, every, every GM's going to go, well, why am I going to pay you this when that guy's making that? It was, you know, the Nathan McKinnon, Nikita Kucherov syndrome, where these guys had yeah. team-friendly deals because of when they were signed right before they blew up. That, you know, so, someone's going to try to use that as a reason not to give David Pasternak every penny he deserves. You know, um, and, and I don't remember, the last, uh, the NHL lockout in 2012-13, the owners were really pushing hard for a five-year limit on contract lengths. <coughs> they were like, hey, we want a five-year term. And the PA fought against it. And I always thought, man, if I'm the PA, I still think you can, like, your very best, best, best players are going to be better off on shorter deals. I, they, they absolutely will be. Like, the 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 McKinnons and the McCars and the McDavids are going to push that ceiling higher with shorter-term deals. Yeah. I, yeah, I always security, thought it was man. crazy to me that the owners were the ones who were like, no, 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 we need to bring the 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 years down and the PA was like no 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 we want to have max I'm like guys you don't understand you're That's only what? the o- the only guys signing the seven eight year deals are your mega mega stars yeah. I mean there's the odd Nick Paul whatever but those aren't the guys that you're doing this for why wouldn't you want your best players to just repeatedly maximize their value right That's just the the hockey player mindset right they think of the yeah the the the, the big picture instead of like you know maximizing and, and again. The, the injury risk in hockey is so much higher than it is in basketball. And I understand that. And the security allows you to play a sport like this without worrying about that. I fully understand it. But you're never going to maximize your earnings potential in a league that's growing at the rate the NHL is growing by taking these long-term deals. Only way you can really get that. If, if these guys were taking two or three-year deals, we'd already be at $15 million with some of these guys. Yeah. I mean, go back and think of the, the Ovechkin and the Crosby deals, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, if you think about you talk about a Mount uh, Mount Rushmore, I, you can make an argument that Sid is on a Mount Rushmore right now of yeah. what he's accomplished. Where that guy never made ten million dollars a year, crazy. He's like at most like eight point seven. Yeah, that's insane. You could say you could make the argument that Sidney Crosby was has, has been criminally underpaid for the entirety of his career. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. In what other sport? Would you look at the best player for a decade long and say that guy's criminally underpaid? Is there like you wouldn't? Would you? I, I don't know from, from the big four. I can't. Not. I mean, I mean, you look at now. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is making half a billion dollars. Yeah, five hundred million dollar deal. Le- left-handed one-out relievers in baseball are making like twelve million dollars a year. Like seriously, yeah, you could be a tw- you could like- be you could be an eighth man on an NBA team and make just as much as Connor McDavid does. Exactly. Exactly. You could be a you could be a uh, a situational reliever and make more than Sidney Crosby does. Like, you know, it blows my mind that we look at these NHL players and we know how amazing they are and we know how incredible that they can play, at least on the ice. And like, you just, when you compare their salaries to, I don't know, the, the one name that always comes to mind is Omer Ashik, was this like <laughs> random, like journeyman NBA center. Like, thinking like Omer Ashik. Could make just as much money, if not more than you. Patty Mills. Patty Mills, last I checked, his son, like this is a guy who's like a bench player for the Spurs for so long, like an easy six man for them. Patty Mills was out here making Connor McDavid money. Like, what? <laughs> what? Like, and again, I always thought that blew my like, mind. Like we mentioned earlier, these owners aren't, you know, scrounging around a couple of dollars trying to trying to make ends meet here. This is not a poverty league anymore. It's a five billion dollar industry. Um, they're getting $650 million expansion fees. 
the, the, the billion dollar TV deals. There's money out there. They just don't want to spend it. Alan Walsh is going to love this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Yeah, there's nothing like a great Alan Walsh uh, Twitter rant. Uh, you know, I love I live for those. I'll tell you what kills me. What kills me is when fans are like, oh, don't they make enough money? Isn't this enough money? Why should they have to pay? When you're on the side of the billionaires, that's what I don't really understand. Thank it's, you. Thank like, you. Who, whose sides are the – like anytime there's a lockout or that. a player strike, like who's siding with the billionaires? What kind of person is like, no, the billionaires who won't spend the money are right? You know understand. what it is? Is because especially when the lockout happened in 0405, and even, the tw- even in the 2012-2013 era – we as a society were never considered the phrase eat the rich. And this is not me saying eat the rich. I'll I don't think it. anybody was a hey, look, you want to <laughs> eat the rich? If you want to eat the rich, have yourself some Dijon mustard when you do it. It might help with the flavor. But all I'm just saying is I don't think as a society we had considered phrases like that with billionaires. That being said, there are still people who believe that. And it always blew my mind in all seriousness here. It always blew my mind that People in lockouts and work stoppages, for whatever reason, would just point at the poor, at the players and be like, nah, like you guys make so much money. What about us as people trying to go to games when the the $2 billion owner out here making money off of both of y'all yep. and you have nothing for that guy? It always blew my mind. And you know what? I give I give props to owners, man. I give props. for them. They found a way to be good guys in these in these work stoppages, I give them full marks. They, they, they paint themselves as the poor ones. Yeah, that's it, man. These like, guys are just—they're just playing a kid's game, and he's making this much money. Do you really have it all? Oh, the poor baby. What that's about you? crazy, man. The yeah, only yeah. the like when we look at like comic book movies or just comic books. Period. If you find some super rich person that's not Batman, there's a good chance they're going to be the villain. Pro <laughs> sports has found a way to make owners look like the good guys. And I think it is one of the most incredible things you can you can see. Incredible. Yeah. And, and and Julian, by the way, for people who are listening to this but can't see the video, is wearing an NHL cap as he says this. <laughs> <laughs> You're wearing an NHL ball cap. He's like Rob and, Lowe with the NFL shield hat. With the Rob Lowe, exactly. It's the Rob Lowe. Go league, go. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> Julian's got an old school NHL. Uh, this is from the 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 90s. The, 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 it's the NHL logo from the 90s because A, it's orange, and B, the um, the letters are going downward. Remember when they came out of the lockout in 2005, they switched the logo to silver and then had the letters go up because they their whole point was the league is on the upswing. And we they changed the, the way that how, the how NHL many meetings, was winning. How many focus groups and how many billionaires in a room do they have to decide to come up with that brilliant idea? Oh, my I just God. Want, how, how much do you think the consulting – Firm got paid to come oh. up with that. Oh, so brutal. I oh. hate that whole it, world. Kind of, it's probably, the sad thing is, it probably wouldn't surprise me if that was like about as much as like a league bid for a player. Or, like or $750,000 yeah. or more. 700 grand to come up with <laughs> oh, that. Oh, man. Can you imagine that? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about this hat. Uh, I saw someone at a Flames game, like a photographer, wear it. Actually, there's a funny story with it. Um, one of my uh, one of my good friends, uh, Aaron Vickers, who also covers uh, the Calgary Flames for a couple of different outlets, uh, we had noticed that this photographer had this hat, and we were looking around online to see if we could find it. We were trying to order it from the. Uh, it's got the 47 label here. I think we're trying to get it from the actual store, but it did not ship to Canada. So we looked around. We tried to find some stores online. There were some. There were some kind of like local stores, but we weren't sure about how legit it was. 
So around Christmas, like I just decided to look again. I found one spot that had it in like Edmonton. So I bought it from there. And then I thought, well, you know what? My friend Aaron would probably like this hat. So I tried to go back to that store. They sold out of that hat. So I had to find a completely different store to try to find a second hat. And I remember when both of them came in, I go into the press area with this hat. And I and like Aaron sees me with it. And he's like, what the hell? Like, we were both looking at this hat. Like, why would you do this? And all that. And I'm like, you know what? I knew exactly I knew you would respond exactly this way. And I served him with that other hat. Bam with the other hat. But I also learned that his wife was also looking for one of these hats too. So now he has two of these hats. You can't go around wearing the same hat as your wife. That that, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I want to delve into that a little bit more. Uh I'm not sure that his wife is looking for it. Yeah. But they can't wear that together at any point. Why not? You can't. Isn't no. that what isn't that it's what significant specific. others do? It's like one thing if you're both wearing like a Calgary Flames hat at a Calgary Flames game. But wearing an old school 90s era NHL hat that's exactly the same as your spouse, I'm not sure that you could pull that off. You can't. Do you think that's that that. sus? Mark, is that sus? <laughs> my, my daughter would definitely say it's not bussin'. <laughs> Why would you say bussin'? She's 10. All she says, everything is either bussin' or not bussin'. Bruh. Yo. Everyone is bruh. And uh, she, she, she kind of moved on from sus. Mid, mid is her new one. She would call your hat yeah, mid. Yeah, mid, mid, mid's, mid's already around. played out, though. I'm trying to tell her that mid's already played out, but she's still using Shout it. out to everyone using bruh and bro as like a unisex term. Like, we don't have to worry about it being assigned to any gender. We could just call anybody bro oh, yeah. bro now. Yeah. But also, like, yeah, sus has been a thing. Mid's been a thing. Uh, bussin, I only associate bussin with food. Like, if I eat some, like, a really good chicken cutlet sandwich and, like, I really feel it in the pits of my stomach and it's really good, like, that's bussin. I don't know if I would say, like, yeah, man, that outfit you're wearing, that's bussin. Like, that's not well, something I would say. To be fair, she's 10, right. so she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Yeah, she's that's picture, true. She She's that's not on the true. internet, really, so she's just picking up memes, like, third hand. Okay, that's fair. So she's, she's still <laughs> learning. She's still learning how to apply that. So I'll give her some grace. See, this is this is what I love about the pod. Julian kind of gets us up to speed, Mark, on some some things like this. We teach him about the uh, Dennis Miller era of broadcasting <laughs> and sports, and uh, and we're all good. Hey, I want to ask you guys one more thing before we wrap up, and that this is the first year ever that the NHL is going to be incorporating Twitter voting into the All Star Game. So this oh, week, this of course, well. fans are able. Uh, fans are able to uh, go online and vote for, you know, if you feel like talking about Travis Konechny, uh being snubbed or, you know, whoever you think your favorite player is that didn't get there, you can do it. But you can also do it on Twitter this year. And you're going to be combining that with the online selection. So basically the league, I guess they have a way of monitoring how many tweets that are using the hashtag, the official hashtag, and you tag a player in that, they're going to be able to to add up the retweets, replies, and quote tweets using that and then add that in. Do you feel like this is going to go well or something's going to... I think... Uh, the be accusations it's gonna of be, bots. Or it's going to be all Russian players getting into the All-Star game. <laughs> 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 it's going to be all Russian bots voting. It'll be the all-Russian All-Star Is, is the NHL going to say Vox Populi, Vox Day, and misquote that after... Uh, Posing oh, the, man. The, the, the poll here. I, this is a disaster I mean, waiting to happen. Yeah, I'm, all for, I'm all for empowering the fans and stuff, but Twitter, no, Twitter polls. What what are we doing here? Are we Darren Revolve? What are we doing here? Guys, I don't understand the pessimism. Nothing has ever gone wrong on Elon Musk's Twitter. 
<laughs> nothing has ever gone wrong on the internet. Nothing has ever gone wrong on Twitter. There's I mean, no I way. know that any any online voting system can be rigged by smart people. I get that. But it sure feels like Twitter is like made to mess with a voting system. Yeah. Open to the public. <laughs> this is like I feel like the NHL is like a year too late on this. I mean, I don't know if the K-pop genre is still like in vogue, but like if I'm an NHL player, all I need to do is just be like, hey, I'm a fan of like BTS or Blackpink. Vote me to the All-Star game. <laughs> Boom. Yes. That's, it. that's how I'm going. That's it. Like I'm, get, that, get I'm, the Swifties I'm, to mobilize. Yeah, that's it. Like all I have to do is just say like I'm a big fan of insert artists here with massive following and then boom, I have their entire fan base voting me to the All-Star game. Like I that's what I would do. That's a great Yeah, that's a great call. But the fact that you don't know if K-pop is still a thing is a little worrisome. They, we rely on you to tell us if these things BTS are still a Army, they still exist. They're still out there. <laughs> there we go. Look, they're never going away, man. Or Blackpink. I, I don't know all the all the groups. I, I just don't know. I only know about BTS. I I see what my friends post sometimes. I'm like, all right, cool. I, I guess this is cool. But like, I don't know if it's still. I don't know if it still has that same. Like like I remember watching an NHL game last year on Hockey Night in Canada. And to, to begin their broadcast, they used a song from the group BTS. Would Hockey Night in Canada use a K-pop song now to start a broadcast? That's- I thought they were legally required for every song to be the Tragically Hip. <laughs> you that, think is that an incorrect stereotype I've had of Canadians? My bad. I no, think that's a that's a very uh, that's, that's a very well it's well played. That's very well played. Yeah. I can't even I can't even be mad about that. That's well played. Um all right, guys, wrapping up the Monday show like we always do. we got a couple of segments here uh, to uh, to put a bow on this. The first is we look back at the last week or so, and we try and hand out a Jack Adams uh, Award of the Week. And, you know, since we're basically – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch it back to January 1st, so basically nine days. I'm going to give you guys some options here. You tell me who you think is the best coach so far in 2023. I, I talked a little bit earlier about Dave, or the job Dave Haxel and the Kraken have done. Guys, they're four and zero to start the year. They've outscored opponents twenty-two to eight. So the Kraken are really rolling. But here comes Jim Montgomery and the Bruins once again. They're four and zero. Rick Bonus has Winnipeg off to a three and zero start. Same with John Hines in Nashville, three and zero. Guys, as the calendar slipped to twenty twenty-three, just using this last eight or nine days, who who do you think is like, wow, man, that's really impressive? Because I'm I'm leaning Dave Haxel. I think the Kraken seem legit. Like I said, they rolled into Ottawa, scored eight even strength goals. That's where I would put my vote. Man, I'm going with that too. I think Jim Montgomery's already going to put himself in, as a front runner for the Jack Adams Award, like overall. So, like, yeah. there are going to be so many other instances where we're going to be able to give him another Jack Adams of, of the week. Didn't we give him one already? I feel as if we've we've definitely put him in the. I run think every time I've been on this show, yeah. we've given it to him. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, like Jim Montgomery's <laughs> got enough. I think Dave Haxtall, who <clears throat> look. Before this year, there are a lot of people who question Dave Haxtell as an NHL coach. You could look at him in Philadelphia. You could look at him how we start. It started in Seattle. Let Dave Haxtell have this moment. This Kraken team, like they could make the playoffs. You, you brought it up earlier. They could unseat some power that we thought would be a power in the Pacific Division out of the playoffs because of, of how they've disturbed things. They're a good, quick team. They have a rookie of the year candidate in, in Manny Beniers, who's also a front runner for that as well. I get the skepticism with Martin Jones. The Kraken looked pretty good. And Dave Haxtell, I think, deserves some credit for that. I will give I want, it to him. 
I want to throw some support behind John Hines because I think we all forgot the Nashville Predators even existed as of a few weeks ago. And now here they are. They're they're six one and two since that six game losing streak. And look, I don't know how much coaching goes into saying, "Hey, UC Saros, go make sixty four saves." Uh, yay, we won. But they beat in Carolina. They beat Washington back to back on the road. They've won three in a row, I think. Uh, and they're all of a sudden kind of nudging their way into that playoff picture in in a crowded Western Conference. They're going to start being in that discussion with you know. Uh, Seattle and LA and Edmonton and Calgary and Colorado, where they're they're muscling their way in. I don't think any of us saw that coming. So let's give John Hines a little love here. Yeah. No. Hey, listen, there's a couple of great, uh, great candidates here, and you're right. Nashville. I I'm, I'm with you. That that UC Soros performance uh, last Man. week was unbelievable. Like, you know. I mean, I know it's Carolina, and they stays. shoot literally the puck from wherever they stand <laughs> on the ice. So 64 yeah. Carolina shots is like 45 regular shots. But that's a really good team, too, and it's a, that's a lot of saves. And 45 yeah. regular shots are still a lot of shots. That's a lot of shots. Calgary Flames, the Calgary Flames know a lot about the Carolina way, by the way. So wait, so where are we going? Are we going Haxtell here? Julian? I'm going Dave Haxtell. It's, it's, it's two out of three. We can go okay. Haxtell. That's fine. There we go. Let's okay. Then the other question I have to wrap up, as we hit the halfway point of the season, I'm going to give you, give you guys three things. You tell me what's the most likely thing that will happen this year in the NHL, okay? Is it A, Connor McDavid is going to get to 150 points? Is it B, Eric Carlson is going to get to 100 points? Or is it C, somebody in the NHL is going to score 60 goals this season? Laz, you got to pick one. One is most likely to happen. What's it going to be? I mean, it's an all-of-the-above situation. I don't think any of these are all that far-fetched. But of the three... I would say, God, 60 goals. I think you're going to see, you know, you might have two or three guys threatening that by the end of this year, the way they're going. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Pasternak, Thompson, Jason Robertson can get hot again. I think, I I would bet on all three of those things happening, quite frankly, but 60 goals feels like the most possible to me. Wow. Connor yeah, I mean, McDavid yeah, I guess, I guess all of the above. Yeah. Connor McDavid scoring 60 goals. I think I, he might even get 70. Yeah, that's my pick. He, he might go full Bernie Nichols, is what you're saying? Yeah, Bernie Nichols. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie Nichols. Oh, the yeah. 90s were a hell of a time. Yeah. Damn. The, er- the early 90s, I should specify. Yeah. Actually, you know, I think Bernie Nichols was like yeah. 19, late 80s, didn't he? Was didn't he score 70? I think 88, 89. I think oh, he scored okay. 70. I think. But anyway, but yeah. I just Same assume thing. every big year happened in 1992. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just missed 1992. Just missed it. Yeah. All right. So you're going. You're going. Uh, McDavid's going to get the sixty. Yes. Yeah. Julian? I think he might have multiple guys getting sixty. Yeah. I think he might even go further than sixty. I think he might actually get to seventy. That's my thinking. Yeah, man. I. You know what? And it's funny. We're and and Carlson's on pace for over hundred points. And I wonder too. Like with San Jose out of it, doesn't it kind of feel like he like he kind of would have the green light to kind of just just go do nuts, yeah. kind of go go do. Do we? I'm with Laz. I think maybe we do see all three of these things happening. But you know what? Give me McDavid in the 150 points because he's right on pace for it right now. And to me, that would okay. I guess let me flip this around too. Would that not be the most impressive of the three things? 
would that not be the most impressive thing is if McDavid would get to 150? Oh, yeah, because we just had a 60-goal yeah. score. I mean, it's, done, it's been yeah. done recently. It's been and done. 100 yep. point, and, and Roman Yossi had like 90-something points last year. So, like, nobody sniffed 150 points. No, I think that would blow everyone out of the water, yeah. I think the yeah. fact that, like, for this current generation, for them to lose their minds over 150 points, it'd be really great for that, considering that when Bernie Nichols did it, he was fourth in league scoring. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, like back at that, I think Iserman Iserman had 150 points that year too, right? And Gretzky and Lemieux. So Steve Iserman right? had 155. Wayne Gretzky had 168, and Mario Lemieux 199 points. He had 85 goals. He had 85 goals a season. Yeah, Mario Lemieux yeah. was pretty good. He was pretty good. Yeah, he was okay. Was right. Super Mario. Mario Lemieux. Yeah, I once saw Mario Lemieux. My, my first job out of school was covering the Penguins for a suburban Pittsburgh paper. And it was the year that Mario came back, that 2000, 2001 year. And they were yeah. sitting in practice. You know how guys play like the post game or whoever can get all three posts, you know, two yep. posts and a crossbar first win? I saw Mario Lemieux against some young guy. I can't remember who it was. He sat at center ice, from center ice, from the face off dot of center ice, went left post, crossbar, right, 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 right post on three shots. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And this is coming out of retirement. This is at age like 112, yeah. Yeah. That, I, I I think that that Lemieux season in which he had the 199 points, I think you can make the argument that's the best season any player has ever put together in the NHL. Because if I'm not mistaken, he missed, I want to say it was five or six games. Like, he could have had the 92 goals. And the, he would have had the 200 points. And, like, it's... Yeah. What it he was, did that it year was... always was, about was staying healthy with him, obviously. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Remarkable. 85 goals. The greatest what-if player ever. Yeah, yeah, he because yeah, I'm still convinced that if he plays with a full clean bill of health, and I mean you can say that about every player, but a much cleaner bill of health than than what he ended up getting, he breaks people a lot. People forget of how records. big and strong he was. He was a horse. He yeah, wasn't like yeah. Wayne Gretzky out there it's, dancing around being talented. He could do everything. Is he more of a is he uh, more of your what if guy than like Bobby Orr? <sighs> or Mike Bossy? Or Mike I mean, Bossy? Yeah, or even a lot even of them out there. But I, even I, I, Eric Lindros, to me, yeah, Eric yeah. Lindros was a guy that would be a what if for me. I think Lemieux, thing, L- Lemieux might be the most singularly talented hockey player that ever lived. So it's hard to wonder what, hard not to wonder what he could have done. That's it. And he was so close to to so many of Gretzky's records and his scoring ability yeah. that like we have no choice but to be like, well, yeah, like what if? Like it, no yeah. disrespect to Bobby Orr and, and Mike Bossy. I mean, they're not. They're obviously goats. They're obviously legends. But like. Mario and Wayne are so close. Like, we don't have that debate with anybody else. Man, I, I, I think it's Bobby Orr for me because I think, like, he got taken down in his, like, mid to late 20s, right? Like, yeah, uh, he was like Sandy Koufax, basically. Yeah. Yeah, the five year, like, yeah, you would argue, right? Sandy Koufax's five best years are the best five years any pitcher's ever right. had, right? Right. It's tough. Man. It's a tough call, but Mario, man, man. <laughs> he was he was something to watch, man. Yeah. Yeah. All these other guys are before my time, so it's so hard for me to say, but like I saw Mario play. I knew what he could do. And it's like I wish I wish we could have gotten more of that. That's all. Yeah. Like yeah. my 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 thing with Mario is just watching whatever highlights and playing NHL two thousand two with him on the cover. <laughs> was he a co- he was a cover guy in, in O two? Yeah, after he N- came NHL back. NHL two thousand two. Yep. Man, I don't I don't remember that. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't know if I have Amazing. to go through that whole list of the 2000s cover athletes again, but he was definitely. Yeah, yeah that's right. You did it already. 
You did it. I already. did that already. And, I did that already. And then things got really weird when you started reading off all the regional covers. <laughs> no. All right, guys. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. We want to thank everybody for listening to this uh, first Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show in 2023. Laz, thank you for dropping by. This was this was fantastic. You were not the Dennis Miller, the third, the awkward third wheel. I was the John Gruden, which is even worse. Oh, <laughs> cut, cut it, cut it. We're done. It's done. Let's go. We'll leave it there. All right. We want to uh, remind you that uh, you can follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and review. We'd appreciate that. We've got a a great uh, deal on a subscription with The Athletic uh, for a $2 a month deal when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. 